Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Learn to discern. And last week I did a lot of review, and I realized that in doing a lot of review, I'm losing a lot of time bringing new information to you. So this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. These videos are up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Emmanuel, name of the church, hooks it, name of the town. YouTube.com slash Emmanuel, hooks it. And you'll get to our YouTube page, and you'll be able to go back and listen to the ones or watch the ones that you haven't seen yet. Okay, we're going to also be getting this up on our podcast. So you'll have Learn to Discern coming up on our podcast. That's on Apple, Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I think it's on iHeart as well and Amazon Podcasts. So your favorite podcasting um, app, you should be able to find our church and listen to, go back and listen to many of the different series that we've done. So Learn to Discern. I want to start out with Isaiah chapter 714. We talked about this just briefly last week and it's, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But I want to explain to you, the Old Testament is the word of the living God. And all of the prophecies in the Old Testament that pertain to a certain time period have come to pass. And then there are prophecies in the Old Testament that pertain to the future, the end times. And those will come to pass in the very same ways the prophecies came to pass already. You see what I'm saying? Prophecy will come to pass, and we can know it will come to pass based on the prophecies that have already come to pass. You follow? So here's a prophecy. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's why we call our church Emmanuel. It literally means God with us. God came down. He took on flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is King Jesus. This is Jesus Christ, all God, all man. He wrapped himself in the womb of Mary and, and grew a human body. And he was born just like we were born. And he walked on the earth and he had to learn to walk just like we had to learn to walk. And you know, Jesus went through adolescence. Just like we went through adolescence. He experienced the things that we experienced. And I believe very much of this, so that we knew that he knew what we were going through. Now God is omniscient. God can know exactly what we're going through without needing to experience it. That's a really high concept and hard to understand. But Jesus, listen, Jesus has experienced it. So not only is he omniscient in knowing what we're going through, without needing to experience it. But he experienced temptations like we experienced. He experienced trials like we'll never know because he took the sins of the earth on his back in his body as he died on the cross. None of us are going to do that. He did what none of us could do, endured what none of us could so that all of us could come to Christ for salvation. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so that verse is proof that the Bible 
you'll see this, is trustworthy. The Bible is trustworthy. Why can we trust the Bible? Well, when there is a prophecy that is written, it comes to pass exactly as it was written. So about 700 years after Isaiah uttered that prophecy, there was a young woman named Mary who was visited by an angel who told her that God had chosen her among women to become the mother of the Son of God. The incarnation of God. Okay, you follow? She is not the mother of God in that strict sense that sometimes we hear other denominations say. She's the mother of the physical incarnation of God, Jesus Christ. And she was a virgin. She said, behold, I know not a man. How shall this come to pass? That word no means I haven't had sex with a man. I'm still a virgin. And he said, that thing that will be conceived within you is of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, who was betrothed to her, engaged to her. It was, uh, we look at engagement today a little bit differently than we would look at betrothal. Betrothal was like a contract. It was a contract. And so he's contracted to marry Mary. And then it finds out that she's going to be with child. And now he has a decision to make, keep her or put her away, divorce her cut her off, break the contract, because she had broken the contract by becoming pregnant, so he thought. And then an angel came down and said, hey, listen, Joe, that child within the womb of Mary is, is God in the flesh. You take her to be your wife. And they waited to consummate their marriage until after the birth of Jesus. So, Jesus was born of a virgin, just as Isaiah prophesied that he would be. That is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the incarnation of God to man at Christmas time. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We're talking about learning to discern, and we trust the Word of God because it is trustworthy, right? We've spent a lot of time on the Word of God. Thy Word is truth, right? We understand that whatever the Bible speaks to, it speaks accurately, whether it's scientific or historical. And it has been proven over and over and over and over and over again that the Bible is accurate in all that it speaks of. You follow? People that have tried to prove the Bible wrong have become believers because they couldn't. Um, it's an amazing thing. And so you've got some armchair quarterbacks looking at the Bible saying, oh, I don't really believe in the Bible. It was written by a bunch of old men in London. If somebody tells you that when you're having a conversation with them, if they say the Bible was written by a bunch of racist white men in London... All they're doing is displaying their bigotry and displaying their ignorance. And they basically have a sign on their head that says, I'm foolish, what's your name? Uh, and so don't allow them to belittle you or demean you, although that is exactly what the enemy wants to do. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Solomon is known as the wisest man ever to live. God gave him a measure of wisdom that no other man ever had. And so he wrote this book called Proverbs. He wrote many Proverbs assembled into a book. And this book is a book of wisdom. It was particularly written to young men. And I believe that you can use it also for young women. Uh, in fact, I would say it's written to all men and all women because sometimes we just don't grow up being taught a whole lot of wisdom from our parents. You follow? I mean, sometimes, sometimes as parents we mess up, don't we? I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, well, you know, the joke is that uh, we do our best to raise our kids. We blow it, and then they need therapy later on, but we do our best. Now, if you have the book of Proverbs, though, as a mom or a dad, 
you have a weapon in your hand, a weapon of wisdom that you can use to teach your children, that you can use to teach yourself. The book of Proverbs is a gift to the race of man. It's just, think about it, it's a gift. You don't have to go pay for it. It was given to us. And it's an amazing thing. By one of the wisest men or the wisest man ever to live, by God himself. So he wrote these Proverbs, okay? He wrote these Proverbs to know wisdom, instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and and equity to give prudence to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion learn to discern discernment okay uh, a wise man will a wise man will will hear these proverbs and increase in learning a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma the words of the wise and their riddles get wisdom Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Today, we'll talk about it in a minute, but today we are dealing with a lot of young adults, late teens, that are deconstructing their faith. It's a movement in our country where they are deconstructing their faith and they are taking these proverbs and they're, they're shredding them and throwing them away. Paul said to Timothy, you've known the Holy Scriptures since you were a child, which are able to make you wise to salvation. But we have these children who are in grown bodies thinking that somehow they have ascended to a supreme intelligence that they can now shred the Word of God and deconstruct their faith. And sometimes their deconstruction comes from churches that elevate preferences and personalities above the Word of God. And that causes them to question the Word of God. I hit that wall myself many, many years ago when I realized that certain standards and certain preferences were not biblical, were not from God's Word. They might be good, but they were, they were, it was inferred that they were of God. And I realized that they were not. And then I was faced with, well, what do I really believe? If this isn't true, and what I came down to, instead of deconstructing my faith, I came down to this very simple conclusion, and I hope that you'll make the same conclusion. I don't know much, and I may be confused on certain issues, but I know this to be true. The Word of God is truth, and I know I can trust in the Bible And so whatever it says, I can say. Whatever it says I can do, I can do. But if I have to do verbal gymnastics to support my preference or my opinion, I'm done with it. Out of it. It doesn't belong in this church. And so I made some people angry about that because I removed about 90% of the standards because they were extra biblical. They weren't bad standards, but they were extra biblical. What you have to do, what you have to do, is as you're reading the Word of God, the Bible says he will, your conscience will direct you. And if your conscience says something to you, to you it is sin. It doesn't mean it's sin for someone else, but it means it's sin for you. And so you establish your own personal standards and, prefer- and preferences, right? And principles based on how God is speaking to you through His Word. Now there are standards 
that are very clearly laid out in the Word of God, those cannot be done away with. Those cannot be ignored. So he says, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget, do not forget the Word of God. Don't turn away from the Word of God. He goes on, do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her wisdom. She will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom in all you're getting. Get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? People are ignoring the cry of wisdom today. She takes stand on the top of a high hill beside the way where their paths meet and she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city at the entrance of the doors to you O men I call and my voice is to the sons of men oh you simple ones understand prudence oh you fools be of an understanding heart listen for I will speak excellent things from the opening of my lips will come right things from my mouth will speak truth wickedness is an abomination to my lips all the words of my mouth with righteousness, nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction, not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge. And discretion, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and evil and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. These are the three key words to the book of Proverbs. The three key words to the book of Proverbs are knowledge and wisdom and understanding. It's the trifecta of discernment. The trinity of discernment. It's the what, it's the how, and it's the why of discernment. How do we gain these three important parts of discernment? Well, it all starts with a proper respect and awe for God. Part of the problem that Christians have and have had in the past is believing the Bible says so, as we talked about last week. Is the Bible says so enough? If the Bible says so, it is enough. Thy word is truth. However, however, the Bible is not an illogical, nor is it an unreasonable book, and it doesn't require an illogical or unreasonable faith. So when we say the Bible says so, 
it doesn't mean that there's no logic or reason behind what God has declared to be good or evil, right or wrong. Proverbs is a wonderful book to turn to, and it shows us not only what to believe and how to act, but why we believe and act a certain way. You follow? Proverbs is a book of reason, a book of understanding, a book of logic, a book of do this and this will happen. Don't do this and this won't happen. It's a book of principles that we can live our lives by and it gives us the why behind the how and the what. You follow? So when your child, there's a great series on Proverbs that I listened to many years ago. And the the pastor of this, this teaching was talking about raising your children. And he said, you know, as soon as you possibly can, as soon as the child is able to understand whatever it is you're trying to teach him, give him the why. Because daddy said so isn't enough for your child. When they're very young and they cannot understand the why, daddy says so. Don't go run in the street. They don't understand like my dog yesterday. I had Charlie outside with Edgar. I'm talking to somebody on the phone, having a great long conversation, walking my dogs out here, and they're always off leash. Uh, And then Trish came home, and she pulled into the front driveway in front of the parsonage there, and Charlie must have caught that car at the corner of his eye, and this little sucker can run. Like I thought Edgar was fast. Edgar's got these beautiful long legs. Charlie's got stumps. Like, I mean, his le- he's so adorable. He looks like a little businessman going to work. Very highly important. We got him a bow tie. And he takes off running. Charlie doesn't know better yet. I can't sit Charlie down and say, Oh, Charlie, listen, buddy. If you run into Mammoth Road, you're going to die. Charlie doesn't understand that. Your toddler doesn't understand that. You need to teach them to obey, and sometimes you need to use discipline. So the why behind not running into the road is because daddy's going to spank my butt. Or in Charlie's case, I got the shot collar now, and if I run toward the road, I'm going to go, I'd rather, well, I use a shock very, very infrequently. I'll use the vibrate first, but you follow? But as soon as your child is old enough to understand the danger of going into the street, you give him the why. You give him the why. I like to say this, experience is the best teacher. Experience is the best teacher, but she's not the gentlest teacher. You go run in the road and get hit by a truck, maybe you'll survive. And you probably will never run into the road again. I mean, that experience has taught you something that you will never forget because every time you take a step, there's a little limp, a little hitch. Or you could listen to the words of wisdom and learn from someone else's experience. Do you think it would be better to learn from someone else's experience or from your own? You follow? So here we have a book of experience and wisdom and knowledge We should be learning from it. We should be taking from it. We should understand that it is a gift to us. It shows us what to believe, how to act, and why we believe. It's a gift from God. It points to Christ in that Jesus is the epitome 
of wisdom. He is the living word of God. He is logos. He was there at the beginning of creation by Jesus. Everything was formed. He is the word of God made human flesh. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 1. How do we get knowledge? How do we get wisdom? How do we get understanding? Well, take a look at what it says here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9 says, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So where does it all start? The fear of the Lord. That word fear, it means awe and reverence. Awe and reverence. It can also mean terror, right? Fear. Now, I had a bucket list. One of my, one of my, one of my things on my bucket list is go to Niagara Falls. To go up to Buffalo where the Bills play. I don't have my Bills cup and I'm not wearing my Bills socks because I don't want to jinx them today. I know there's no such thing as jinxing. The last time I had my Bills muck up here, they lost. So we're just going to not get upset, not get God upset with me. Anyways, we went out to Buffalo. We went to the Niagara Falls in the winter, right, babe? And it is awesome. That word awe, when you first approach the falls and you're walking toward them, you can feel them. It's majestic. And we were just on the American side. I have heard that the Canadian side is even more impressive. The horseshoes on the Canadian side that you see in the pictures and stuff. When God talks about his voice, he talks about it as roaring thunder or the rush of many waters. The voice of God. It inspires awe. People fall down before it. This is how we should feel about the word of God on the written page. Awe. Awe for the one who wrote it. God himself. Fear. Respect. Reverence. That is the proper attitude of a believer when they approach the word of the living God. He said in verse 33, Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it now. So we understand that the fear of the Lord, the awe of God, is the beginning of wisdom. And he said also though, do not disdain it. Now, we live in an age where being irreverent seems to be the new religion. To be Uh, It seems from the very beginning that Jews and Christians have been mocked and the God we worship has been as well. Instead of holy fear, there is mocking and disdain in the world toward their creator and toward us. The Bible is just a book. You'll say, I don't believe in your magic book. And when they say that, they say it meaning to disdain your book and cause you to feel like a fool. I don't believe in your magic book, you silly little Harry Potter fan. The Bible is nothing more than uh, a magic book from a movie. I don't believe your magic book and its fairy tales. That's disdain. 
is disdain. It was written back in a time where we didn't have the amazing science and understanding that we have now. It was written so that people could make sense of the world around them. The interesting thing, though, is that whatever the Bible speaks to, it speaks to accurately and factually. Well, instead of fearing the Lord and having on reverence for Him and His Word, there is a disdain. They will say that the Bible is for the weak-minded who need easy answers. That the Bible is outdated and it was written by a bunch of old men who wanted to control the masses. That's a big, that's a big one. Religion is all about control. They just want to control people. Well, when you read the morality of the Bible, is it so bad to say that thou shalt not kill? Thou shalt not murder? Is that a bad thing? Was Jesus a bad man? Did Jesus do bad things, things that are unfavorable, things that are disdainful? And yet they'll say that the Bible is all about control, religion is all about control. Well, there is control. There are the Ten Commandments. There are guidelines. There are principles. But they are good. They're not evil. These mockers and this disdain will one day come to an end when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me tell you, unbelievers here on earth, the very moment they die will believe. And they will bow the knee to God, and then it will be too late. I take no glee. I take no joy in the fact that those who do not believe will believe the second after they die. I was in the presence of a man who died and went to hell. I was called in. It was a nursing home. It was many, many, many years ago. And I'll never forget that day. The indelible mark that it left upon my mind has not faded. I walked into the room and they had an oxygen mask on him and he kept tearing that mask away and begging for a cold cloth, begging for water, begging for them to give him something to cool his tongue. I felt like I had walked into the pages of the Gospels and was looking at the story of the rich man and Lazarus as the rich man was in hell crying across the chasm that led to paradise. And he was begging Lazarus for just a drop of water to cool his tongue, begging him. Folks, I felt like I saw that in real life. And it was terrifying, I'll tell you, the minute after you die, the second after you die, the moment after you die, if you disdain the Word of God now, you will not then. If you think everyone's a fool around you but you now, you'll realize that you are the fool then. And I hope, my hope and my prayer is if you're here today or you're watching online that you will not wait to bow your knee to God, to Jesus, until it's too late, but that you will do it now while you can still be saved, while your sins can still be washed away, while it is still time for you to be forgiven and placed upon a path that has meaning and purpose for the glory of God. Don't wait. 
by then it'll be too late. The lost, if you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you have a home in heaven when you die, you are lost. If you're relying on anything else besides Jesus, like, oh, I believe in Jesus, but I also need to be baptized. I believe in Jesus, but I've got to live a good life. I believe in Jesus, but I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's Jesus plus. You are lost, and yet in your sin, because you are relying on something else besides Jesus. You are saying to God who authored the Bible that Jesus is not enough. He's just part of the answer. Well, Jesus is the answer. And He came for you, but if you reject Him, there is an eternity of separation between you and God that you will never be able to bridge. The fe- the, listen, the lost should fear God, and by fear, I mean they should be terrified because their end is destruction. They think that their mocking and rejecting Him diminishes Him and disempowers Him. If they don't believe Him, He doesn't exist. But their believer lack thereof has no bearing on the reality of the Creator of the universe, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You can say you don't believe in God, but it has no bearing on whether He is there or not. You will face Him one day. The lost hang, and maybe you hang by a thread over the abyss of eternity, and your eternal destination is in the hands of God. There was a preacher named Jonathan Edwards, and he wrote a sermon and read a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, I don't agree with everything Jonathan Edwards said. I really don't. But he speaks truth in so far as this is. You are hanging by a thread, and your thread is in the hands of God. But God delights in mercy. And if you will turn to Jesus and ask Him to be your Savior, oh, He will be so happy. So if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm kind of getting a little uneasy about this. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're hanging over that pit of eternity. And let me tell you, you should be fearful of God. Because the only one keeping you out of that pit right now is Him not cutting the thread of your life. And I hope that you will make a decision to trust in Jesus. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.